invite you to take your Bibles this morning, your devices. A lot of these passages will actually be on the back of your handout if you'd like to look at them there. But uh, Jeremiah 17, let's turn to Jeremiah 17 this morning. While you're turning, I just want to uh, reiterate what I just prayed. It is so good to see each and every one of you here today. This is my favorite day of the week. This is my favorite time of the week, right here, right now, when we gather together and study God's Word to worship Him corporately. But uh, I just want to say welcome, whether you're visiting with us this morning or you're uh, a regular member here, a regular tender here. We are so thankful that God brought you to worship this morning. There's several here that haven't been here for some time, maybe through the COVID stuff happening or work schedule uh, or whatever it might be, travel schedule. It is so good to have you here this morning. There's several here logged on this morning, watching on the live stream. We just want to say, it's so glad to have you there listening. And there's several listening on the radio as well. And we just want to pray that God would use his, this time and his word to grow you. That he would grow all of us by his grace. So today, we will start a four-week journey. I'm excited about this. It's a mini-series, as you see on the screen there. Heart Healthy Christians. Over the next four weeks, we're going to take, really what we're going to do is we're going to take the 30,000 foot view, look at what the Bible says about the heart. We're going to start at the beginning of the Bibles, and you'll watch over the next four weeks. We're going to start at the beginning of our Bibles and kind of travel through your Bibles. So by the end of four weeks, we'll have taken this 30,000 foot view of your entire Bibles. We're going to start at the beginning. It's going to be rather quick in this journey. Like I said, the 30,000 view, foot view. You're going to see some of these highlights. Just like if you're on an airplane and you look out and you see there's a mountain over there. Okay, that's what we're going to look at. On occasion, we're going to dial in and focus in on a passage, but then we'll come back to the 30,000 foot view. And here's the reason we're doing this. Over the next year, there's going to be a wonderful study as a church. Pastor Matt is going to start this on March 28th. Uh, this is going to be a pre-service study, so 9 to 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings for those who want to dig in more into this subject. Here's the study, your dynamic heart in daily life. What God is doing in your heart. In Room 101, every week we're going to get together and study about what God's doing in our hearts. So before we even launch into that study, that year-long study though, I really want us to take some time and just see. It's called a biblical theology. What does the Bible say about this heart? Heart healthy Christians. Each one of those three words has amazing meaning that we're going to unpack over the next three weeks. Four weeks. Today I want us to talk about the corruption of the heart. I'm just going to be honest with you. Well, I'm not honest all the time. <laughs> Try to be any clear. Maybe I should say, I want to be up front with you this morning. We're going to hear, a, you come to church and you want, hey, pastor, give us some good news. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a lot of bad news today. <laughs> Anytime we talk about the heart, we need to first start with what the Bible actually says about our hearts. The true condition of the natural, unregenerate heart. Well, that's where we're going to start today, but before we even do that, I want to start on a very practical level. 
there's several in here that enjoy athletics. I certainly love athletics. Grew up on the sports field, grew up on the wrestling mat, uh, in the gym, and outside, always with a ball in hand, or always scrapping or doing something of the sort. I want us to start with some analogies here. When we talk about heart-healthy Christians, obviously we're dialing in on what's known as the spiritual heart. But I want us to think about the physical heart. Think about this with me for a minute, starting with a couple pictures. I want to highlight a couple athletes. Okay, this was back sometime, but there may be some in this room that enjoy running. There's some runners in here. How many of you, just curious, how many of you in this room uh, enjoy running? All three of us. Great. No. <laughs> No, there's a number of us in this room that enjoy running. There was a guy by the name of Jim Fix. He started what's known as the Running Revolution. This guy wrote the complete book of running. Here's where the morbid part comes into the equation. He died on July 20th, 1984, 52 years old. How many of you, there's some Olympic fans in here, remember this couple? I remember as a little critter. I love watching this couple skate. Figure skating, go figure. I would watch them, I'd go, that is cool. You guys remember this couple? And this is the Russian gold medalists, Gordieva and Grinkov. Sadly, and this is a husband wife team, Sergei Grinkov died in 1995, collapsed 28 years old. Baseball players know this guy, many of you, 57, St. Louis Cardinals, Daryl Kyle. After missing pregame warm-ups in June of 2002, he was found dead in his hotel room, 33 years old. Okay, you got to throw soccer, but I'm a big soccer fan. All one of us in here, there's a handful of us, and I know my family's soccer fans, but there's a couple fellows up here. This guy, number 17, Cameroon team, his name is Mark Vivian Foe, World Cup star for Cameroon, collapsed in the center circle on June 26, 2003, pronounced dead less than an hour later, 28 years old. The guy down in the lower corner, soccer star in Spain, Seville. Collapsed August 28, 2007, died two days later, 22 years old. Basketball guys, we're not going to leave you out. Recognize this fella? Hank Gather, NCAA leading scorer and a candidate for the player of the year in the 90, 1988 and 89 season. Collapsed on the court March 4th, 1990. I remember as a little critter watching the TV and watching this guy tank, thinking, what just happened? Pronounced dead two hours later. 23 years old. There's another fella. Yes. Pistol Pete. Maravich, college basketball's all-time leading scorer. 2005 was named the greatest college basketball player of all time by ESPN. A lot of basketball players have come since then and gone. 1996 was named one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history in January of 1988. Get this, at a promotional game in a church gymnasium in California, he collapsed and died. 40 years old. Here's another fellow, Damian Nash, NFL running back for the Denver Broncos, only played two NFL seasons, 
Here's why. Because he collapsed and died on February 23rd, 2007, 24 years old. Ironically, get this. Ironically, Damian Nash didn't die on the football field. His heart gave out on him after a charity basketball game as he was raising money for the Nash Find a Heart Foundation, raising funds for heart transplant research. All right, Pastor Andrew, this is getting morbid real quick. What are you doing here, brother? Well, each one of these athletes in our culture is known as the epitome of strength and conditioning. Each one of these guys died from underlying heart issues. Outwardly, these superior athletes were strong and they were conditioned. Inwardly, their physical hearts were diseased or deformed or weak. Just like is the case in one in four Americans. Just like is the case in the leading cause of death in America. Not COVID, it's heart disease. Friends, brothers and sisters in Jesus Please understand, this is no different from our spiritual hearts. All right, so we consider this amazing metaphor, the heart. We cannot ignore there's some biblical facts about the heart. Every human being not only has a physical heart that right now is beating. You, you did nothing this morning to make your heart beat. I, I have to qualify that a little bit. There's someone here that have pacemakers. Something was done in the past to help keep your heart beat. But for the most part, you did nothing. You took on sustenance. You did nothing this morning to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and turn my heart on. Every single one of us has this human heart. Every human being not only has a physical heart, though every single human being ever born into the human race has what's known as a spiritual heart. This spiritual heart is who you really are on the inside. This is where we're going. This spiritual person is your inner person. This is the center of your unseen being. I mean, we're talking about mind, will, emotions, character, all flow from your spiritual heart. Think about this. Just as everything in your physical body flows through your heart, all the blood in your body, all the oxygen, I mean, not a medical situation here, but everything flows through your heart to give you sustenance. Your brain could not think if it weren't for your heart. Your hands could not feel if it weren't for your heart. You could not walk. You could not talk if it weren't for the fact that your heart is pumping blood through your body. I want to think about this, this metaphor, in a spiritual sense. Everything you do not only goes through your physical heart, but is a product, product of your spiritual heart. What is happening deep down inside. A further biblical fact is this. And this is where we're at in the Bible. This fact. As human beings, we have become professionals at trying to hide the true condition of our hearts. You understand that? Especially as seen in the ministry of Jesus. All through the Bible, here's what we find. The Bible is telling you, don't ignore what's happening on the inside. 
push aside that other stuff and let's see what's really happening deep down inside your heart. Biblically, just because we get everything right on the outside does not mean our hearts are healthy. That's the fact of the scriptures. We're going to unpack that over the next four weeks. Biblically, just because we come to church every Sunday does not mean our hearts are healthy. Biblically speaking, just because we check off that we read our Bibles every single morning doesn't mean that our spiritual heart is healthy. Biblically speaking, just because we attend all the prayer meetings ever offered in our entire county does not mean our hearts are healthy. Just because we faithfully serve in a sacrificial ministry doesn't mean our hearts are necessarily healthy. Just because we cross all our theological T's and dot all our liturgical I's doesn't mean our hearts are healthy. All of these things that I just mentioned, great things, we should pursue every single one of these things that I'm talking about. But just because we do these on the outside doesn't mean there's a healthy heart behind this. In a physical sense, we go to the doctor for an EKG, evaluating every single pulse. In a spiritual sense, where do we go to find out our spiritual pulse, the passions of our hearts? I'm going to tell you, all of you are holding it in your laps right now. We go to the Word of God. We want to see the condition of our hearts, the true passions of our hearts, and, and see them unfolded in front of us. Where do we run? I love what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. It's not on your, the back of your handout there. It's not on your handout. You could write it down if you'd like. We're going to look at this in two weeks. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and it is active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And here it is, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and of the marrow, and discerning, catch this, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature, this is the next verse, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Brothers and sisters, where do we start when we evaluate the hearts? The next four weeks, we're going to see what the word of God says about our spiritual hearts. This morning, I want us to start in this passage, though. Jeremiah chapter 17. You've been there for 15 minutes now, waiting patiently. Jeremiah 17. I want us to see what this prophet says about the heart. Okay, so we're talking about Jeremiah. He's known as the weeping prophet, the lamenting prophet. This is a man, by God's grace, was called to prophesy to God's people, particularly Judah, Jerusalem, as they were about to head into what's known as the exile. They were about to be destroyed and taken away out of the land. And this guy, Jeremiah, has some amazing prophecies from God Almighty. Through the Spirit, he explains something that we're going to talk about today a little bit. We have to understand, though, that this is 
3,500 years after creation. All right? 1,300 years after Abraham, 800 years after Moses and the law, 600 years before Jesus. So a lot of time has happened in the world when Jeremiah pops on the scene, when Jeremiah is prophesying. But I love this because halfway through our Bibles, or maybe third of the way, closer to halfway through our Bibles, we find this explanation about the true conditions of our spiritual heart. And would you watch here in Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, here's what is said. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Some of your translations will say wicked. Same concept. And then this question, who can understand the heart? The very next verse, verse 10 I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his deeds. So even though we do our best to mask what's going on on the inside, because either it's uncomfortable or we don't really know what's happening on the inside, here is the fact from the Scriptures that God Almighty sees exactly what's happening in our hearts. He knows what's going on in your heart this very minute. He knows the struggles of your heart all week long. He knows that temptation that seems to take root in your life. God knows it clearly. This passage says the heart is deceitful. It's insidious. It's crafty. It's sinister. It's sneaky. It's devious. That inner heart is devious. It deceives us. The human heart is not only deceitful, it is desperately sick. It is wicked. I mean, that's one word in Hebrew, and it, it means something like this. It's terminally sick. It's critically wounded. On your own, you cannot heal that. You cannot fix that heart on your own. It is sick. The human heart, deceitful, desperately wicked, and here's where we're going at today. Here's, here's basically the bad news, brothers and sisters and friends. <laughs> All right? The heart, the human heart, we're talking about the spiritual heart, is corrupt at its very core. You can't get around that in the Scriptures. And here's the rest of the equation. Your human heart, your spiritual heart, my spiritual heart needs fixed. <laughs> So today, as ugly as of a discussion as it might be, we must start our spiritual EKG with this key idea, this key truth. Although initially created pure, the human heart became morally corrupt at its very core. That's where we start the entire discussion on the heart. We have to start there because that's where it starts in the Bible. We can't ignore this because it's at the beginnings of your Bible. I use one phrase there, although initially created pure. Okay, what does that mean? Well, you know the story of the Bible. But right at the beginning of our Bibles, in Genesis chapter 1, the creation of man by the direct hand of God, the words of God, the sovereign God who creates and sustains all life, what is said in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. This is on the back of your handout if you'd like to follow it. Here's what God says. It's very Trinitarian truth. Trinitarian means Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Here's the truth. Verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. 
So God, the triune God, created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, that last phrase we could just go on for about three hours on, especially what's going on in current topics. I'll just point it out that that's in the Bible. All right, male and female, he created them. God created people the way he wanted to create people. Even if you're persuaded differently, no, God made you a certain way. You are not God and God is God, and he made you a certain way, so trust in him in this situation. Even through the temptations of your devious heart that we're talking about right now, trust God. Even though the mass persuasion in our gender dysphoria world right now is telling you everything differently, trust God. He is God and I am not. He made me a certain way for a purpose. Male and female, he made them. He created them. But in this passage we have this theologically rich truth known as the Imago Deo principle. What's that? We are made in the image of God. In other words, Adam's moral, spiritual, relational, and even rational framework identified with his creator like no other of God's creation. There's so much to this discussion on the image of God, but this is it. Adam was created with superior intellectual and reasoning abilities that could find relational satisfaction in who God was. The point is this, from the inside out, man in the image of God was created pure. Man's heart was created pure. Why? Because God was pure. And they're made in the image of God. However, although initially created pure, the human heart became morally corrupt at its core. And how did this happen? You know the story of the Bible. We try to study this regularly to remind ourselves of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, but we have to start with some bad news. The story of the Bible is that the human heart became corrupt through one word. And what is that word? Starts with an S, ends with an N. (laughs) Sin. Rebellion. This leads us to the two discussion points today. First of all, this. The human heart is corrupt because of Adam's sin. That human heart, that spiritual heart within you, the center of who you are is corrupt because of Adam's sin. I mean, just to be honest with you, this isn't, this isn't popular. I'm going to church this Sunday to hear about sin. And it's deep into my heart. No, brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the B-I-B-L-E. This is God speaking. To teach the whole counsel of God, we have to focus on this bad news. We have to teach on sin. Sin that has corrupted the human heart through Adam. All right, so you remember the story of the Bible. Genesis 1 through 5 is in your handout there. Highlight a couple of these. Up there it says Genesis 2, 15 through 17. So the second chapter of your Bibles. Verse 15. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. This is a man, Adam, with a pure heart, created in the image of God. Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely 
die. Okay, the very next chapter. When we made it a chapter, obviously chapter and verse designations didn't happen. It's a long time after this was written by Moses. But the very next chapter is found in our Bibles. Chapter 3, verse 6, we find this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to her eyes, to the eyes, this is through the deceitfulness of the wicked one, Satan, the deceiver, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She was deceived, and then what did she do? And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Okay, you can fill in a lot of blanks here, but here's the fact of the matter. Adam chose to sin. He chose to rebel against Almighty God. The point is this, in human history, when the human heart, both physical and spiritual, was corrupted at its core, was in the Garden of Eden with the first two human beings. Subsequently, from this point, and this is, this is where the Bible is very clear, from this point, every single human being born into Adam's human race has been born with the same corrupted human heart, spiritual heart. The same sinful nature and propensity to sin that came from Adam. You're sitting there maybe saying, prove it. Okay. Let's go into our New Testament, so the Bible in Romans 5. And by the way, we're going to dig in over the next year after we finish this study into the book of Romans. And this is how the book of Romans starts. And then talking of justification in chapter 5, we find this. Therefore, just as, I'm reading verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. That's verse 12. Verse 14 identifies who this man is. It is clearly Adam. The transgression of Adam. And death through sin. And so death spread to all men. Because all sinned. Every single human being ever born was affected by the rebellion of Adam. And where is it evidenced? Where is it? Dig its roots deep. In the heart. Deep down inside. Death from all. Death from sin passed to how many? All. How many had their spiritual hearts corrupted? All. Every single human being. The biblical fact is this. Through Adam's sin, the purity of the human heart was entirely corrupted. The image of God in man was marred drastically. And through this came death. Genesis chapter 5 proves this. One generation after another. One name after another, at the end of each one of these names mentioned, at the end of these verses, you'll find a dynamic statement. Other than one who walked with God, you'll find this statement. And he died. The human heart at its core has been corrupted through Adam. How deep is this corruption? Well, I started in Jeremiah 17. And so I just want to... I didn't put it on your handout, I don't believe, but Jeremiah 17, verse 1. I just want to, to, to show how deep this sin is. Jeremiah is speaking of the sin of Judah, and, and listen to what he says. 
The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with the point of a diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their heart. How deep is this sin in the human heart? Well, the fact is that through Adam, sin is etched onto the human heart like a diamond etches words onto a stone tablet. It's in there. It's deep. You cannot fix this desperately wicked heart on your own. That is the truth of the Word of God. The fact is that through Adam, sin is etched onto the human heart. The human heart is corrupt because of Adam's rebellion, but also, we need to see this unfolded in the Scripture as well. And even at the beginning of our Bibles, in Genesis, we see this clearly seen. Not only because of Adam's sin, but it's also because the human, the human heart is corrupt because of continued rebellion. Here's the point. You sin. I sin. We all sin. The human heart is corrupt because of Adam's sin, but the human heart is corrupt because we sin. I mean, right at the beginning of our Bibles, that's been crystal clear. Uh, if you travel 1,656 years after the fall of Adam, a lot of time for things to happen and sinners to procreate. And sinners and sinners and sinners and sinners. More sinners and more sinners. We see the fact that God Almighty prepared an event called the universal flood. This is in the Bibles. God used water. If we think of water, what is water? Water is the universal cleansing agent. God used the universal cleansing agent, water, to judge his creation and cleanse his world of sinners. However, he preserved the human race through Noah and his family. Genesis chapter 6. In the back of your handouts there. Verse 5. This is pre-flood. What does God say? This is God's perspective of the flood. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thought of his what? Heart was only evil continually. What was evil continually? The thoughts of his heart. Amen. I love these kids getting involved. They're getting it. I love this. Okay, a little side note. I love this because what we're teaching right here is not popular in our culture. You turn on any Disney movie or any program, you're going to see, oh, just trust your heart. Oh, for God's sake, don't trust your heart. It's ugly. It's corrupt. So kids, good job getting this. Okay, now let's think past the flood. All of creation for 1,656 years has narrowed down to eight people. Noah and his family, after 378 days on the ark, what do you think they did as soon as they got off the ark and the ark landed? They made an altar and sacrificed to Almighty God. I love this. Grateful to God for his sparing of their lives. But, brothers and sisters, there's still a bit of a problem. Oh, we're talking even post-flood. There's still a problem in God's creation, and here's why. Because Noah and his family still had Adam's heart. There's still sin that was deep into the hearts. Even though they trusted God and were worshiping God, which next week we're going to see, this is the tug of war of the entire Old Testament. Trust God. Lean on Him. Don't trust on the idols of this world. Don't trust in yourself. This tug of war is going on. Why? 
because the Adam heart is still in Noah. In fact, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 21, this is post-flood. Here's what God says after he enjoyed the sacrifice. Genesis chapter 8, verse 21, And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma of the altar sacrifice, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Whoa! That is a dynamic statement from Almighty God. There's a lot of ways we can analyze this passage. But it's clear that the bad heart continues through Noah. Even though Noah was a man who trusted God, this bad heart continued. Alright, this is made impeccably clear in the New Testaments of our Bible in the book of Romans Already your mind's going there. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 says this, As it is written, quick time out, we're going to look at this in just a minute. Where is it written? That's key in the whole discussion here. Romans 3, as it is written, where is it written? We're going to look at that in just a minute. As it is written, none is righteous, no not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, verse 23 says. Wow! But this isn't just Paul. This is the Holy Spirit in Paul, and the Holy Spirit had already worked in the life of the psalmists. As it is written, where is it written? It's written in two locations in the book of Psalms. Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 53, verses 1 through 3. And in both of those cases, we find a very important start to the discussion. Can I read that? It's in the back of your handout, the bottom passage. Here's how both of those passages start. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They, are, they do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. Not even one. Why? Because so often we try to make ourselves God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Every single time we make a decision to rebel against God, guess what we have done in our idolatrous hearts? We have tried to make ourselves God rather than God be God. What's the point? Well, what is the root of the sin of man? It's the heart. Here we find Dual truths in the scripture. Here's the dual truths. The human heart rebels against God because the human heart is corrupt. But also, the human heart is corrupt because the human heart rebels against God. <laughs> Feed on that. Corruption is part of the equation. You cannot get away from the fact that the human heart at its very core is corrupt. Friends, this is not good news. <laughs> All right, right now you're sitting in front of the doctor after having this EKG, and he's sitting there, and he says, I, I just need a moment of your time. And he shakes his head, and he says, this EKG, it's not looking good. Now how, no matter how put together human beings seem on the outside, 
every single human being has the same spiritual issue. Our hearts are corrupt because of sin. Spiritually, we are all gem fixes. We are all Hank Gathers. We are all Pete Maravich's, uh, Pistol Pete Maravich. We are all Daryl Kyles. We're all Damian Nash's. The doctor is sitting there explaining to us right now. The doctor of the Word of God is explaining to us that the initial reading from our spiritual EKG, eh, it's not good. I'm tempted to end right there. However, however, you can't end that way. <laughs> we got to at least get a sneak peek in the rest of the Bible. So we're going to end with a bit of a sneak peek this morning. And here's the sneak peek. Jeremiah, Ezekiel 36, I love this. Ezekiel 36, listen to what God says to Israel and eventually through Israel. That's important. To Israel and through Israel. Here's what he says. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. Verse 26 of Ezekiel 36. And I will give you a new heart. Hey, brothers and sisters, that's the good news. God's going to change our hearts. He's going to give us a new heart. And he continues to walk through this. And, And a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Brothers and sisters of Christ, this is what's known as the New Covenant. Promise in the Old Testament to the New Testament. Guess what Jesus says? Prior to going to the cross, he says, this is the New Covenant in my blood. I'm giving myself so that I, your heart can be clean. There's no reason. I mean, this is the reason why in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this. And you who are dead in your trespasses and sins, he's made alive. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can't work off this dirty heart. We can't make our hearts better. It is all of God's grace. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says this very clearly. Trust in, this is Old Testament truth from Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your your path straight. He will direct your path. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a couple fun three weeks ahead of us. So what? One quick question. I mean, we don't want to leave on this note. We want to ask, how is this sermon this morning going to change our hearts when we walk out of these doors how is this sermon going to change the way we see life the change the way we interact with each other change our perspective and i would say it have to be something like this question will you choose to focus on your heart uh, to clarify will you choose to see beyond the outward and focus on what the true condition of your heart is through this study Will you resist the temptation to find your significance on the external? How pretty your smile can be, how well put together you are. 
By the way, brothers and sisters in Christ, this is an expose of your own preaching pastor. This is what God is doing in my heart every single day. I grew up in a Christian home with mom and dad. My, my dad was a pastor. My mom was a faithful pastor's wife. I want to tell you the temptation growing up in a glass box is basically this. Put on the right smile, wear the right clothes, hold your Bible, the right Bible, just the right way. Sing all the right songs. Go to all the right places. Don't go to all the wrong places. Get everything right, just right. God's saying to me, yeah, but Andrew, what about your heart? Man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. Hey, these are all important things. Where you go, what you say, what you think, all important things. But not to distract us from what God is truly doing in our hearts. Brothers and sisters and friends, you choose to see beyond the outward and focus on your heart. I'm talking to children here. I'm talking to teens here. Teens, you live in a world where everything's about the image. Uh, just think about every single social media platform. You're trying to promote the best you. Even paint yourself up to make you look like not you, but it's still cool. What about what God wants in your heart? We're talking about young adults. We're talking about parents. We're talking about grandparents. People who are not yet believers need this. But also people who are new believers. But also people who have been believers 50 years. We all need to see our hearts the way God sees them. Will you choose to see beyond the outward and focus on your heart? Another question would be this. Will you be aware of the natural inclinations of your heart? As clean as you want to make it sound, our hearts have been corrupted because of sin. Natural inclinations are the propensity of the godless flesh. For the unbeliever, these natural inclinations are the dominant factor in your life right now. Whether you agree with it or not. If you have not been changed by the Holy Spirit of God, that is the dominant factor in your life. The engine that's running your life is actually a corrupt heart. I need to be clear on that. But also for the regenerate believer, these natural inclinations are those lingering pests that won't leave you alone. That's why every day we pray, search my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Every day we bring our hearts before God, knowing that positionally we are right with God, but practically Satan is going after our hearts. The temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil are going after our hearts. We analyze our hearts every single day according to the truth of the Word that is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In a very practical way, I'd already, I've already mentioned this, what is our culture saying right now about your heart? How many times do you hear, just trust your heart? It'll all work out. No. No, 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 no. A natural man should never trust his heart. It is corrupt and self-consumed. Furthermore, the regenerate heart should only be trusted as it is in life. Will you truly pray with a man after God's own heart, David, 
In Psalm 139, he prays this, even though he's sinned, even though he struggles with the flesh, a man after God's own heart says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. God, that is the prayer of our hearts. We don't ever want to be content to just put things together on the outside and make it look just right. God, we're reminded regularly of what Jesus says to those who put everything together on the outside, but their heart's wicked. He says, you're a whited sepulcher. Clean on the outside, inside is dead man's bones. Oh God, I pray for grace for every single one of us here that we would choose through your spirit to see beyond the facade, the mask, getting everything just right on the outside and that we would see our hearts the way you see them. God, this morning we heard about this corrupt heart. Heart is corrupt at the very core because of sin. I thank you, Father, for the righteousness of Jesus Christ who cleanses us from all sin. I thank you that though our sins be like scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Our hearts will be made white as snow. Thank you that you're doing your work of grace to clean our hearts. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, we started off with prayer. We want to end with prayer. So you analyze your own heart before God. Some of you sitting here They're saying, well, Pastor Andrew, some of that made sense. You're pretty animated today, but not all of it made sense. If I could just summarize what we said today, it would be something like this. When you were born into this world, you were born with a serious problem, and it was a deep problem because it was in your heart. It's called a sin problem. No matter how hard you tried to clean up, the scripture is clear that you cannot clean it up yourself. It is only the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life, born a miraculous birth, virgin birth, lived a sinless life, participated in a selfless ministry, died a sacrificial death, rose, victorious resurrection, and now intercedes on your behalf on behalf of those who have come to him by grace through faith. In other words, you cannot earn this. It is only by God's grace. His faith in what he did for you on the cross. He was your substitute on the cross. He paid for that wicked heart. He paid for that sin. Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Next couple weeks, we're going to see this unfold through the scriptures, the glories of the new heart. What God is doing in each one of us as believers to grow this heart and devotion to Him. The question I have for you today is Have you come to Jesus in faith? Ask Him to forgive your sin that put you at odds with His holiness, 
that placed you under his divine wrath and made you a son of kindness. If you have questions about that, I'd be happy to talk with you afterwards. There's others here, other chaplains that will be at the front that would be so thrilled to talk with you more about this. I'd be happy to set up a meeting through this week as God is doing a work in your own heart to draw you to himself to talk more of this. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, and now I'm addressing those who have come to Jesus in faith. Through the Spirit, he has changed your heart. The question still is appropriate. Yes, positionally, you've come to Jesus Christ. He sees you as his own. But practically, how dirty is that heart inside you right now? How mixed up in the ways of the world is that heart? How inclined to the propensities of the flesh? The lying, the cheating, the immorality, the self-consumed nature of the world we live in. Would you pray this with me? That over the next couple weeks, God would give you the grace to have a heart that's devoted to Him. That you'd see these strongholds in your heart, what, what the Old Testament prophets call the idols of your heart, taken down. And that you would have a heart that is devoted to Almighty God. That every single day you wake up, you're calling for His grace to have a heart that is right with Him. Would you pray that God would give you the grace as we look through this the next couple weeks and continue on and study the next year? Oh God, we thank you for the time we could have in your word this morning. The word is quick and it is powerful sharper than any two-edged sword and it reaches beyond the outward and right into the heart. God, this is more than just a sermon on Sunday. I pray, God, that this would be the spiritual, philosophical makeup of Crops Point Community Church. That we'd be consumed with seeing our hearts the way you see them. We wouldn't ignore the outward because the fruit of the heart is a changed outward but that we would not be consumed with just getting things on the, right on the outside and ignoring what's happening on the inside. Would God give us grace as we continue on in this study? Our prayer as we walk through this study is that you truly would be every single moment of every single day the king of our hearts. And now as we close with this anthem of praise to you, this reminder that you truly want to be and are the king of our hearts, I pray that we would walk out of these doors today in sobriety and encouragement and comfort from your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name.